Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fans' next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. And the Oscar goes to... And the Oscar goes to... My only object in being here is to try and get at the truth. What shall I go? What shall I do? He's looking at you, kid. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I could have been a contender. Fasten your seat. I could have been somebody. They can only kill me with a golden bullet. What have I done? Call me Mr. Tibbs. I'm gonna make him an offer. Oh, real man. Love is, is Love. too weak a word. Stay back. I, I love you. I love you. I love you. I did as you Don't laugh! If there's something wrong, it's wrong with the instructions. This ain't reality TV! Respect it and validate it. Remember that you told me? It's time, Robbie. Welcome to the next Best Picture Podcast. Moonlight, Best Picture. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 53 of the Next Best Picture Podcast. I am your host, Matt Neglia, and joining me for today, I have Will Mathity. Hello, everybody. Will, how are you today? Um, it's been a very, very long weekend. Unlike Matt, I still have a voice because I had to miss the fight last night. Oh yeah, Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather. It was something else. Mm. But, uh, I, you know, I haven't slept past like seven any day, including weekends in the last four weeks. So Matt's afraid I'm going to burn out with the LA life. We'll see. Probably. I, I'm, I'm expecting it. Oh, that's sad. But in short, I'm very tired, but I am alive. Good, good. I'm glad to hear. Uh, we have a very unique type of show today. We are taking questions from the Twitter universe live right now. Um, so anybody that is, you know, uh, listening as of 11... 15 a.m. Eastern Standard Time is able to now send in their questions and we'll be answering them as the show goes on, Will. So it's pretty interesting. Um, We'll be getting the questions as they come in, so that'll be pretty cool. Also, too, we're going to be talking about the trailer for Last Flag Flying and we're also going to be discussing this week's poll results and the new poll for this week as well. But first and foremost, Will, did you catch up on anything this past week? 
You know, I've uh, started watching this cool doc on Netflix that's pretty hyped up right now called Icarus. Have you heard of that? Yeah, I heard that that's our first uh, full-blown Oscar contender for oh, the documentary yeah. feature race. Yeah, it is particularly as timely as it is right now with Russia being in the media so much. Um, absolutely, this is a contender. I've only gotten through the first half of it. I'm going to finish the second half, maybe after Thrones tonight. But it is awesome. It functions as a full-fledged thriller. And it's weird, because you know the you know the, the main character slash documentarian is also like a feature filmmaker. He did like that shitty The Rock movie, Race to Witch Mountain, a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, he's also a competitive cyclist and puts him in... It, he, like, he intentionally injects himself with all these human growth hormones, steroids, etc., etc. Yeah, it's, it's fucking fascinating. So that, wow. that is the only movie I've seen so far this week, but it's awesome. That is pretty amazing, actually. I uh, haven't had a chance to catch it myself, but I know Tommy uh, reviewed the film and posted it on the website. So he gave it a very, very glowing review, lots of high praise, and I've been hearing great things from many other people. So I'm definitely very interested to check it out myself. Um I had very much um, <laughs> probably the lightest week I've ever had in working on Next Best Picture. I actually did not see a single movie this Holy week. Holy shit. What? Yeah. Explain. I just, I don't know. Listen, I'm allowed to have a week off every now and then, am I not? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Victim of circumstance, too. I mean, it's the tail end of the summer. Studios are not really looking to release their movies out at this time. So, I mean, you know, I, I get it. There isn't really much hype around the fact that, you know, this is the, the end of the summer, ultimately. Uh, Logan Lucky, unfortunately, did not open up to good box office. And that was kind of a bummer. That is the understatement of the century. So, uh, first question, actually, that has come in uh, right now from Brent Leone at Faker Brent Leone. He's asking, does Logan Lucky's poor box office performance prove that audiences do not care about directors? So, I think Logan, I think there is something to be said for that theory. Logan Lucky is not an example of that. The reason Logan Lucky tanked is that Soderbergh and the production company tried something new when it comes to marketing the film, which is that they basically slashed the marketing budget by like nine-tenths of what it normally would be. They spent very little on it, and they decided they were going to market it exclusively in areas where their target audience, who they thought would predominantly be NASCAR fans, was watching. So, TV marketing, online marketing, in places that weren't for like the rural South, were close to non-existent. It was a daring strategy, it was an experiment, and it didn't work. Um... That being said, I think there is something to be said for the idea that often general audiences don't give a fuck about directors, but anytime Christopher Nolan makes a movie, it's marketed almost entirely on his name, and they usually, you know, like, they, they break at least a hundred million. So, a Scorsese movie that's not Silence, or, sorry Matt, or a, uh, or a Christopher Nolan movie still can really 
ride along on the name of their director. I would 100% agree with you on this. I do think that directors still carry a lot, and it always, always, always comes down to how a film is simply marketed. Silence is a great example of this. We saw how that film only received a marketing push one month before release in terms of trailers, posters, and so on and so forth, and that film did not do well at the box office. I mean, it only got what it got because of Scorsese's name alone. And it also did not play in theaters long enough either on top of that. So, you know, but then you also have something like Detroit, where Catherine Bigelow has really built a name up for herself over the last couple of years. That film was marketed pretty well by Annapurna, um, and that did not do so well either. But then again, that had more so to do, I think, with the controversy, the word of mouth, so on and so forth. It's really, really tough to make a daring slash dark, bleak, depressing film that is going to make people feel bad when they watch it and expect that to do huge box office numbers. Right. I mean, you would probably agree with me that maybe the only reason why something like Manchester by the Sea did so well is because it was actually funny in some places. Yeah. You know, because if it was all dark and depressing, I don't think that film would have done as well as it did. Oh, I agree. But it also had the undeniable hype that surrounded it, you know, year-long Oscar buzz, which Detroit, you know, Detroit's reviews were also good, but they were not Manchester by the Sea. But yeah, I think it did. It is hard to have something, you're right, that is unrelentingly bleak. Like, that just... Uh, but I think more than anything, it was the controversy that gutted that. But no, that that would be a bold statement to say that audiences don't care about directors. And this instance is certainly not the proof of that happening. Just like last year, there were all the think pieces about is film dying, is good film dead? No, nothing's final. There's been some interesting trends right now, but everything is far from complete, and there there's no room for broad, damning statements like that. Yeah, no, I hear you on that, definitely. Another question here coming in from Cinema Paradox, or uh, Danny M on Twitter. What has been some of your favorite quartet of acting Oscar winners in history, and which four actors would you love to see take a group photo at this year's ceremony? Ooh. Now, this is a tricky one in many ways, I feel like, because I can't remember the last time I enjoyed all four acting winners. Yeah, I... Maybe the... There's there's usually one, you know, elephant in the room. yeah. You know, I really like the year of, what was it? It was McConaughey, Leto, uh, Lupita, and who won Best Actress that year? Uh, Blanchett for Blue Jasmine. Yeah, that's like that's a really good recent one, I yeah, feel like. I think Leto's performance hasn't necessarily aged well, but the rest are very, very good there. Um, okay, who was, I'm trying to remember, who was our Best Actress winner this year? It was Emma Stone. I think th- I think this year was probably one of the most consistent all around I've seen in a while. Viola Davis was excellent in supporting. Casey Affleck was my personal win. Mahershala Ali, though not my personal win in the category, was very was very good. And Emma Stone, you know, like her performance didn't blow me away, but it was certainly above average. This is one of the better groups I've seen in a while. Like honestly, that's you know. If Michael Keaton had won for Birdman, I think that would be my favorite oh, year. All no, around. I 
I the year of J.K. Simmons, Patricia, Julianne Moore. You got Eddie Redmayne in there. Take him out and put in Keaton. That is that is incredible. Mm, uh, you you know how I feel about Boyhood. Uh, I, yeah, and that includes Arquette. I did not think that was necessarily a warranted Oscar. Her big scene didn't really slay me. Aww. Um, in too hard. So let's we're doing recency bias. So let's look back. The nineteen nineties have anything spectacular? Uh. Okay. Huh. So who won in the Silence of the Lambs year? Because we. Uh, had, that was obviously Jody. That was Jody obviously and Anthony. Anthony like, for the supportings, because I mean those two leads are fantastic choices. Best supporting actor was Jack Palance for City Slickers. And right, best supporting actress was. Mercedes Ruel for the Fisher King. Okay, so it doesn't quite work in the smaller categories. It's hard, man. There, there really is always something unspectacular in the lineup. But I'm gonna say 2016 off. The what top about of my head what, what about this one? What about Al Pacino, Emma Thompson, Gene Hackman, and Marissa Tomei the following year? Okay, so I am conflicted about that because obviously Al Pacino needed to win an Oscar. I just so wish he had won for something that wasn't Sin of a Woman. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I'm not going to say that's a good win because that's one of, that's of his nominated performances. It's certainly the weakest. And it set a trend of Al Pacino moving from his subtle, nuanced acting into like, ooh, what a crock of shit. You know, like. Mm hmm. It, it was kind of the turning point, so... You know what? I can make an argument for Nicolas Cage and leaving Las Vegas, Susan Sarandon, Dead Ben Walking, Kevin Spacey and The Usual Suspects, and Mira Sorvino from Mighty Aphrodite. Oh, that's great. Yeah, okay, that's fucking fantastic. I wish they could have done, like, a, uh, you know, like some of the Critics Awards do, and do a dual win for an actor and have Spacey win for both Usual Suspects and Seven. Yeah, you know what might be my most underwhelming year? I'm just going through the years here, and Jack Nicholson, Helen Hunt, Robin Williams, and Kim Basinger might be one of my most underwhelming years, probably. I uh, I really I really like Robin Williams' win there. I really do, and I'm so glad he won an Oscar before he left us at an untimely period. But um, yeah, otherwise that's horrendous. The, is the entire as good as I get, as good as it gets, like Oscar presence is still confusing to me. And then L.A. Confidential is one of my three favorite films of all time. But to this day, I do not understand why Kim Basinger, not only won but was the only person from that film nominated. Just bizarre. Yeah, it makes no sense to me. Uh, that's a that's so bizarre. You're right. I. I mean, like, I understand why people like her in that movie, but personally, I wouldn't have given her the win. Is an Oscar win? Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. it was a way of acknowledging the whole cast, but, like, I'm still mad that uh, Crow and Pierce, honestly, and Spacey, like, that all three weren't nominated. What do you think of the year of Jamie Foxx, Hilary Swank, Morgan Freeman, and Kate Blanchett? Because many people would argue that in those categories, like, there are better performances. In every category. But as an overall group of winners, like, that's that's pretty solid. I know? think they're all very good actors where they're not winning for their best performance. Um, mm. I, I Like, I, I remember I ran a poll in IMDb for, like, rate the Oscar winning performances. And certainly at least two of those would end up being ones that 
like Morgan Freeman particularly was rated very lowly. I think he needed to win an Oscar at some point, but that was just Morgan Freeman being Morgan Freeman. Yeah, it's not really a year that does it for me. Now, for this year, personally, for me, I would kill to see the following people up on the stage uh, in that quartet. Gary Oldman. Yes. Willem Dafoe. I'm down. If he goes supporting, that is. I think he will. Then <laughs> Jessica Chastain, even though it's probably not going to happen. Yeah, at that's this not point. happening. Ugh. Michelle Pfeiffer from Mother. Okay, that would be pretty cool. I, I'm not sure how Mother is going to do. But, yeah, I would love to see Michelle Pfeiffer up there. That would be an objectively cool set of nominees, particularly seeing the long-overdue Oldman and Defoe showing up there. So let's uh, say if you take out Jessica Chastain for Best Actress, who is somebody else that you would put up there as the winner to make it like such an awesome quartet lineup there? You know, no one else has her sense of overdue. Like, this year, you know, like... Well, you could you could argue Annette Benning. Annette Benning. Uh, what am I saying? Yeah, Annette Benning <laughs> would be perfect. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so For Annette Benning, Gary Oldman. Uh, let's say Willem Dafoe goes lead and loses to Oldman. Then I would probably put in supporting instead. Um, is Lean on Pete coming out this year anymore? No one knows. But in the event it does, Steve Buscemi would be very cool to have there. God, that'd be so amazing. There's a good chance I think that goes 2018 instead. But it's... I don't know. I'll, I'll be very curious on that front. All right, let's say Stuhlbarg. I, I like Stuhlbarg. That won't be an all-timer for me, but seeing Stuhlbarg show up there would be cool as well. And the only other person and Best Supporting Actress I could theoretically see up there and I wouldn't roll my eyes at it, and I'd be like, that is awesome, is uh, Kristen Scott Thomas for Darkest Hour. Yeah. If that is anything more than just a traditional supportive wife role, then yes, I I would enjoy that. I'm still sad that she uh, she lost back for the English patient. So, um, you know, this is random. I have heard that John Belushi is going to be a major Oscar contender for Wonder Wheel. You're kidding. No, no, there was uh, there's been some articles floating around on that. That apparently he's really fucking good in Wonder Wheel. Well, speaking of Wonder Wheel, are we heading towards anyone getting a second Oscar win, you think, this year? And mostly I'm referring to Kate Winslet, yes. I think it's possible. I think if film stars die in Liverpool or whatever it's called, ends up not being very good. And it's, uh, if I remember correctly, it's writer and director team is not necessarily a stellar combo. Right. Um, yeah, I think if that film just crashes and burns, you do see somebody who's already won take it. And let's say, uh, I've heard mixed things about Molly's Game, too. That leaves Meryl Streep, who just won her third recently. As much as they like her, I'm not sure they're going to give it to her. And then, yeah, if, uh, you know, Woody Allen is known to have these great leading female roles sometimes, I think Wonder Wheel could be one of those. And it's been almost a decade since Winslet won, you know, like, she's continued to deliver strong performances. I see no reason why that would not happen under those circumstances. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm with you on that one, definitely. Um, Hmm. I think it's, you know, obviously a little too early still to be claiming that somebody's going to be a surefire winner, except maybe other than Oldman. 
Yeah, and it. But after the trailer, as cool as it looked, I'm, I'm not convinced he is as surefire a winner as I thought. But why? He, uh, his performance got some somewhat of a mixed reception online. What? It, like it looks too hammy. Like it's too much of a performance. Yeah. Yeah, it, it might be a bit, and then there, there is the possibility that the film around him is not good. Joe Wright's only really shit the bed once, he's usually very good, but that possibility does exist. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see if that happens. Um, yeah, but he is the only surefire lock, but there is, the narrative around Willem Dafoe, particularly since they seem like he is going to be supporting his building and building and building. Um, you, you know, we're, we are jumping a bit ahead here, but... Is there anyone from Last Flag Flying you think could be a factor here? Steve Carell. You think so? And would he be in lead? Yes. Okay, so that is a factor too, but like... You don't sound convinced. No, I mean, do we want to go ahead and discuss the trailer since we're doing a different format here? Let's segue into the trailer. Why not? Let's break it up a little bit. Um, So we did get the trailer this week for Richard Linklater's newest film, uh, which he's co-writing and directing called Last Flag Flying, starring Steve Carell, Brian Cranston, and Lawrence Fishburne. Uh, let's take a look at that trailer. You know what amazes me about you? Well, it could be anything. I'm a pretty amazing guy. You turn the keys to your bar over to the guy who's asleep on your pool table, and then you jump in your car, and you drive me to hell and gone, and you don't even know where we're going. Ask the question, am I willing to surrender to God? What the hell happened to Mueller the Mauler? First-class drinker, gambler. I see we have some visitors amongst us here today. We were in the service together with your pastor. I haven't seen these men in decades. They represent a dark period in my life. That went down awfully quick. Drinking for two now that you got old and boring. Shine down a light on me. Because of my son, I came here, found you guys. A year ago, we joined the Corps, and then two days ago, they told me that he'd been killed. He's gonna be buried in Arlington, and I was wondering if you guys could come with me. We sent him off to a godforsaken desert. Why? I'm taking Larry home. With all due respect, sir, he deserves to lie at Arlington. You're gonna take Doc back and try to make it fun. You're cutting off your nose to spite your face. Did you look at these faces? They've already been spited. I thought we were going to a funeral. We are going to a funeral. Just looks like it's going to take a little longer to get there. What you going to do, strap the coffin to the roof of your car? We could do that. Oh, man, look. The thing that made Larry different from the rest of us, he had a happy childhood. He said that? Yes, sir. If there's one minute that's not too terrible, I'd like to try to enjoy it. His holiness can hardly walk, let alone handle a big rig with a hydraulic lift. This is a rental with an automatic transmission. You guys ready for an adventure? Let's go. smell urine i love it it's like the official scent of the city things that come into your head and out of your mouth you worry too much that's why your hair went so great could you resist a man in this uniform i don't think i could you're there for your brothers that's all that really matters get out of the way okay you want to play let's play hey move you're trying to get me killed i will bury your ass mueller has arrived so here's the thing will okay this trailer followed so many beats that I've seen other trailers take in terms of the marketing of how they are positioning this 
that I can see why people are underwhelmed a little bit by it and they were expecting a bit more. It also seems to me that there may be a quote-unquote scene that is not being hinted or shown in the trailer here and they're saving uh, for the movie. I'm, I'm, I'm talking merely pure speculation here, but my thought process says that if this film was selected to open up NYFF this year, then there has to be something there. It's got to be more than just a typical buddy road trip film, right? Cause, right. Because right now, I mean, it looked charming enough, but like, I don't know, I could have been watching The Judge with uh, Robert Downey Jr. I mean, like, you know, it, it looked, it is your stereotypical road trip movie. And like, it just, beyond thematically, visually, it just looked bland I think you're right. I mean, Linklater is a very good director, a great writer-director. Sometimes he does do pretty light films, and it is possible that he got into NYFF on his name alone. I mean, you know, like, as much as I love Everybody Wants Some, it's great, it's just meant to be a fun film. It might be what this is. I'm hoping it's not. I'm hoping there's some... I think you might be on to something, that there's something emotional buried in there. You could tell. Just look at Steve Carell's eyes in this trailer and the kind of performance it looks like he's giving. One one that's very internal. I can't help but feel like there's got to be some sort of a breakdown scene for him or a monologue or something that, you know, this could be the, the Casey Affleck and Manchester by the Sea type of performance we see this year. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I... I- I, I see the possibility right now tonally also it looks odd and maybe it's a result of them trying to deliberately mismarket the film but you know what I mean I do I, I get it I mean it looks like Fishburne Cranston seem to be providing more of the comic relief but you also have to realize too that Carell's the one who lost his son and is dealing with that grief so even though he's considered the quote-unquote funny man of the three, he's playing the sad, grief-stricken father, and his buddies are the ones there that are trying to lighten the tone up and really, you know, try to make him, I guess, get through this process. I mean, isn't that why they're there with him ultimately? You know what I mean? Is to provide that support because they served together in Vietnam. Which, by the way, um, I know this movie's supposed to take place in 2003, but I don't think either one of these guys look like they're old enough to have participated in NOM. They still look too young to me. Oh, so they're actually, like, going... It's literally a sequel to Last Flag Flying. Like, it's... I think so, from what I've been hearing. They're go. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's also odd. I I, I don't know. I was... I've seen a lot of people predicting this, or until the trailer came out, for being, like, one of, like, the big five Oscar contenders... And nothing I saw made me think that is going to be a thing. You know, and and let's be clear, Linklater is a great director, he's a great writer, he has had exactly one Best Picture nominee. Like, his films are not necessarily ones that in general would be considered shoe-ins anyway. So, I don't know, I'm looking forward to it for personal reasons, but it's not something that I looked at and like, holy shit, we have a contender. Yeah, yeah, I, I still feel like this is something that could still contend at least in screenplay, maybe. Uh, I don't think 
best director could happen, best picture maybe, maybe an acting nominee. But you're right. This doesn't look like the surefire hit that maybe we all thought it was when it was first announced. So is this going? Is this year you think going to be another wasteland? Not a wasteland because we had some very good films last year. But um, the last two years, you know, it seemed like there were a few really good films, and in general, it was considered a lackluster year. You had to really dig once you got below like the top five. Like you obviously had your moonlights, but once you got below that, it's like. Ooh. Well, here's my response to that. We have a poll this week, and the poll is centering around the Oscar hopefuls for this season. Now, before I get into that, I want to uh, read the results of last week's poll, which asked everyone, what was your favorite movie of the summer of 2017? We received the most votes ever for a poll, and I really appreciate that, and I want to thank everybody who chimed in and gave us your uh, your answer for this question. Leading with 34.78% of the vote. Will, can you take a guess as to which film won out the summer of 2017 for our readers slash listeners? Oh, man. Is it a studio film or is it a small drama? Studio. Is it Wonder Woman? Nope. Is it Dawn of the Planet or War for the Planet of the Apes? No, sir. It is Dunkirk. Oh, what? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I kind of forgot that one existed. Wow, really? Yeah, well, no one's talked about it in my Twitter feed for the last two weeks or so. It seems like, I mean, obviously people liked it, but you know what I mean? It does kind of seem like it came and went and disappeared from the conversation very quickly. I totally disagree with you on really? that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're probably still on Twitter more than I am, but I haven't I, I haven't heard people really discuss it much for the last two weeks, which surprised me because everyone was shitting their pants over it in July. So you've still seen it popping up in the conversation a lot. 100%. Well, I hope so. I mean, I, I, it needs, you know, at the early release date, it needs to be a factor still for the next few months. What came close to beating Dunkirk? With 17.39% of the vote, or in this case, half of the votes that Dunkirk received, second place went to Baby Driver. Yay! And then in third place with 9.42%, Wonder Woman. Okay. Yeah, that's... I mean, those are three solid studio films. They're also... Dunkirk Clum's the closest, but they're not three films that, I, that I'm going to look at and be like, holy fuck, that's like all time. Oh, Will, wait a minute. There actually was a tie for third place, I just realized. With the same amount of votes as Wonder Woman, can you take a guess which film it was? And it's not War for the Planet of the Apes? It is not War for the Planet of the Apes. Uh, and it's not The Big Sick. It is The Big Sick. Hey, okay, The Big Sick remains my favorite film of the year. That's awesome. Good for you. Yeah, so The Big Sick is the only film that so far this year that I still look at and makes me shit myself with joy. I love this, though, in, it, it, like, just out of the top three. Like, I'm so happy that this film got as many votes as it did, even though it did crack the top three. A Ghost Story was in fourth place. Matt, I'm going to see that movie, and I'm going to love it. Um, I am going to try and see it next week. With our mutual friend, this is a shout-out if you're listening to the show, Jack Moulton. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we're, uh, you know, he is another Oscar 
blogger, tweeter, et cetera, et cetera. So we're both going to go try to knock that out next week. Oh, cool. I hope you guys really enjoyed it. I definitely enjoyed it a lot. So. <laughs> well, honestly, the way you've hyped it up, if I don't like it, I'm going to feel almost ashamed to come back on the show. Well, I hope that doesn't happen. Um, we also had two write-ins for Wind River and Beatrice at Dinner. Unfortunately, they didn't gain any traction, but good for you out there who thought that was your favorite film of the summer of 2017. And the only films to sadly receive no votes were Ingrid Goes West and Atomic Blonde. You know, I, I feel like Atomic Blonde is generally disappointed. Oh, yeah. If, if There was so much hype going into that, and I don't really know anyone post-South by Southwest who now says... Oh, that was one of the best films of the summer. Oh, that was even even an above average action film. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on that. Disappointing to say the least. Ingrid Goes West, I think, is a victim of opening so late. I think it'll gain more traction as time goes on. Not with awards, with people in general. I the third act is a little messy, but I I did really enjoy that. It's top five or six for the summer for me. Well, for this week's poll. Because Oscar season is now right around the corner at this point. Jesus, it is. Which of these 2017 Oscar hopefuls are you most excited for? And it's a long list, but I will read it off. We have Blade Runner 2049. Yes. Breathe. Call Me By Your Name. Darkest yes. Hour. Downsizing. Yes. The Florida Project. Yep. Hostiles. The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Lady Bird. Last Flag Flying. Marshall. Molly's Game, Mother, The Post, The Shape of Water, Star Wars The Last Jedi, Stronger, Suburbicon, Untitled Paul Thomas Anderson Film. Isn't it Phantom Thread now? I don't know. I still haven't gotten a confirmation on that. And the last one is Wonderstruck with a write-in option. So, Will, I will ask you first, which oscar hopeful film are you most looking forward to 100 the shape of water yeah i am so hyped for that i love it whenever genre films can make their ways to the oscars the trailer was so beautiful and guillermo del toro should have been nominated for best director in 2006 so if this is a makeup for that i want it to happen so badly you know before we were talking about directors that carry weight and still have power behind their name and can get you excited to see a film guillermo is definitely one of those for people but for me it's paul thomas anderson yeah i'm fucking hyped for that as well it's been two it's been five years since we had a pta movie man has it really been i thought inherent vice was only oh fuck i forgot I forget that that exists sometimes. Okay, it's been three years since we had a PTA movie. Yeah, I was going to say, he's been churning them out pretty quickly. I, I, I thought his like. last one was The Master. It's still, yeah. it's, okay, how about this? It's been five years since we had a particularly memorable PTA movie. I think Inherent Vice is memorable, but for different reasons. Yeah, okay. <laughs> a particularly good and memorable PTA movie. I remember the high I was on while watching uh, Inherent Vice, if anything. <laughs> yeah, I believe that. Yeah, okay, so, but a great PTA movie is something I would like to see again, and I think we're p potentially going to get that with him working back with Daniel Day-Lewis. Any uh, predictions which film is going to win out the poll? You know, I'm kind of scared it's going to be something kind of basic, just like Star Wars that wins. Uh, or, uh, you know, I think Blade Runner 2049 might. I think the internet is so hyped for that film. 
the internet. I'm I'm hyped. I'm hyped for that film too. Okay. I can't believe we're getting a Denny Villeneuve film two years in a row. I know. And well, we actually wait. What am I saying? Year. Three years in a row, actually, with Sicario, then Arrival, and now this. Like that's insane. <laughs> no, he had 2014. He had Enemy. We've had a Denis Villeneuve film every year since 2013. Holy shit! Like that. 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 that <laughs> he. He just is like so so dead set on being a presence within our lives will that we got to just accept it for what it is and and bask in it and love it for as long as we can because for does all he have I another know, one coming next year a dune but that's gonna take probably at least two years before we see that god that is so fucking wild though oh my god yeah no i i am more than happy to embrace as much denny villeneuve that we can get in my life because thus far, you know, I've either liked or loved everything he's made. So keep him coming, man. We love you. Very much so. Another question here from Roger Fritz at Roger CFR. With such a weak animation field, does this give small sleepers like your name and my high school a sink? It my high school is sinking a chance. I think the new voting. I think that's really gonna are, fuck gonna up hurt. the category. Yeah. I think we're gonna see like Academy Award nominee Captain Underpants this year, and it's very sad. There's a lot of cool G Kids films out there and stuff. There are cool options, but unfortunately, they're just underseen, and th- you know, they don't have that small body to market to of the animation branch anymore. No, it's gonna be the the most widely known films. Under these rules, we would have gotten a the underwhelming Finding Dory nominated last year. Hell, Cars Three might get in this year. No, it's it's very sad, but I think we have uh, seen the end of an era of those really inspired small films getting in. It's like really scary. Your name was eligible last year, wasn't it? Like it's out regardless. It just it missed its shot. Yeah, I, I believe so. Um, we're probably gonna. I, God, if it's. If it's just Coco the whole way through, that's I'm like gonna kind be of so mad. Uh, honestly, like I would enjoy like a Lego Batman presence. I know uh, what uh, is it, Josh? Yeah, it's Josh on our podcast who's really pushing for that to happen. I think it's the best animated film I've seen this year. So, oh, far. I I completely agree. Uh, <laughs> certainly better than the fucking Boss Baby. Um, yeah, I mean, like I I lo- hope that gets nominated. You know, you have the double Lego presence, but yeah, it's gonna be very sad if we don't have. You know, something like Loving Vincent, I think in another year would have had a strong chance. And now there's a question as to whether or not it'll even get nominated. I'm so hyped for that, by the way. That looks so beautiful. Yeah, I would love, love for that film to get in because of just how it visually looks. uh, looks. But unfortunately, I feel like it's going to get disqualified. No, 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 no. We, we, um, I checked, too. We were wrong. Even Waking Life was qualified. Every rotoscope film has been eligible. Oh, so maybe it's Waking Life and Scanner Darkly were both they both made the shortlist. Huh. Yeah, okay, they just didn't so maybe get nominated. It is possible. I think it's I think it's gonna be eligible. I don't know if they've changed the rules in like the last three years or so, but like Tintin was eligible, it just didn't get nominated because the branch didn't like a mocap film. But like, you know, Monster House got in. 
No, I, I think, like, even non-traditional animation is all eligible. Somebody, if you're listening, who knows their shit better than we do, please, please tell us. But I, I think there's nothing standing in its way. That's crazy to think about. That's amazing. Um, I really, really hope that that actually turns out to be the case and we can get something very unique like that in the race because as of right now, that field is so barren that uh, it, it's just – it's probably the most unexciting race I think we have so far this year. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's so depressing. Uh, we have another question here coming from Gordon Cole at K Bailey Java 2. Are there any pre-fall comedies slash musicals that you think will have a chance at the Golden Globes? Yes, two big ones. I mean, Get Out and uh, The Big Sick are probably going to be some of the biggest contenders that category has this year. Do you think Get Out can get something at Golden Globes other than, like, do we think Daniel Kaluuya can get into actor? Yeah, absolutely. If they push him comedy, yeah. Because think of it, I mean, like, that is a dramatic performance that'll be, you know, it's it's the scenario of, like, oh, because um, Hugh Jackman is in a musical, he competes with people who are giving actual comedic performances. You know, it's it's unfair, but, like, yeah, if they can market that as comedy and now Kaluuya has these big crying scenes and stuff, yeah, absolutely, he can get in. Can Baby Driver get into comedy musical? I think it's possible. It depends on how much momentum it re- throughout the year but I think there is absolutely a world where Baby Driver makes it although like it might end up in drama you know they've been getting a little stricter on what qualifies as comedy versus what qualifies as drama um, it, it does lean more to drama than Edgar Wright's previous films so but yeah if it goes musical or comedy it could show up um, one of the girls trip girls might Make an appearance. Um, Tiffany, what's her last name? That would be awesome. Yeah, what's her last name? Tiffany, the the one who's not Queen Latifah or Regina King or Jada Pinkett Smith. I'm forgetting, oh, I cannot remember. I'm forgetting her name, but, you know, they might category fraud her into musical comedy lead, and she might be able to make an appearance, a la the big short guys a couple of years back. That would that would be that would be pretty amazing. I would, I would dig that. Oh, I mean, she's great in that. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other ones that could show up. You know what could happen? This would be crazy, so bear with me on this, okay? Like, just bear with me. But what if Spider-Man Homecoming gets in? Um, I'm not going to say it's impossible, because Jonah Hill got in from War Dogs last year. I am going to say it's pretty fucking unlikely. Um, there have been many a well-reviewed Marvel film that have been eligible for that category, and they have never once shown up. I think the Hollywood Foreign Press is a bit hesitant to embrace a uh, a Marvel or any superhero film. Because remember, they gave us our first hint that The Dark Knight was going to miss when they shockingly ignored it for everything except Ledger. Like, they do not love superhero films. You know, they also do tend to act as the precursor to something that um, is like that reaffirmation that something will happen. For example, George Miller's Mad Max Fury Road getting into picture and directing oh, Golden Globes. Yeah. That was a signal to all of us like, oh, my God, like this, this is serious. Like this could happen. You know what I mean? Oh, um, and going back to the comedy thing, what I, I'm forgetting, of course, 
Aubrey Plaza certainly stands a chance at getting in for Best Actress Comedy. Oh, God, yes. Oh, my Lord. She should freaking win at this point. Yeah, I mean, she's incredible, and if that film can... You know, it's it's a bit of a small film, but if it can uh, get some box office traction and stay in the conversation, she won't get an Oscar nomination, but that's another one where it's... It is a comedic performance, but it's definitely more of a dramatic performance. And so I think that absolutely stands a chance. What's probably going to end up happening, though, in all honesty, is that category is probably going to get dominated by things like downsizing, maybe the Florida Project, depending. I'm not sure, obviously. Yeah. Um, Battle of the Suburbicon, Sexes. Battle of the Sexes. Maybe Last Flag Flying, if they can qualify that as a comedy. Right. Um, I'm, I got my fingers crossed for the disaster artist. I really want that to happen. Oh, my Lord, dear sweet baby Jesus. Wouldn't that be incredible if James Franco wins for that? Yeah, I would, I would shit my pants if we could successfully have a James Franco contender this year for that. And honestly, without even having seen the film, I'm going to push so goddamn hard for Franco and the disaster artist to be a contender this year. The fact that that film exists makes me so happy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I would be ecstatic. I think it would just be a well-deserved win for Franco. Um, It would be fun. I hope that Tommy Wiseau himself can play a role in the film's uh, award season marketing and we could see him like at the award shows and they do like little comedic bits with him and Franco. You know, things like that. You know, could you just imagine like him and Franco like presenting an award together? Oh my oh my god. Oh I hope God, I hope I hope if that film was big, I hope the Academy brings in Tommy Wiso. Oh, that would be such a master stroke. Please tell me that's gonna happen. Yeah, Matt, honestly, I don't think I will be satisfied by anything this Oscar season if Tommy Wiseau does not get to present a category. That now is the most important thing in my life that that happens. I, I, I think other than uh, Click Game Bowl, I think that that is the thing I want Clegane to see most in this world. Yeah. Matt, that's a Game of Thrones reference for all you people. Matt and I are actually having trouble focusing on the show itself right now because we're both secretly thinking about the upcoming Game of Thrones finale tonight. It's all I can think about, in all honesty. Hence why we did a kind of off-the-cuff episode for today. Um, <laughs> hopefully it's been uh, fun for you people, though, uh, that are listening and that you guys have gotten some enjoyment out of me and Will here, uh, taking in your questions and just shooting the shit casually about this upcoming Oscar season, uh, which is right around the corner. For next week... Michael Schwartz will be joining us back on the show, and the original trio hey. will be back to celebrate one year of Next Best Picture. Holy shit, is, it, is that the one-year ne- anniversary next week? It is the one-year anniversary. Just think, last year, uh, our first episode ever, we reviewed The Light Between Oceans. Oh my god, that is so soon. Good lord. Well, congratulations, it's been a great year, and to all our wonderful listeners... Thank you for sticking around for a year with us. We really appreciate it. Tell everyone you know about the show. Yeah, no, you guys have been really, really fantastic. And it really warms my heart to see how much NBP has grown over the last year. And we couldn't do it without your continued support, your interaction, and most of all, uh, positive word of mouth. We have a lot of other really great things in store for everyone um, at, when it comes to this year's Oscar season. Not to mention just other additions to the site as well. And 
Yeah, it's just been a very, very fun ride. I remember looking back on uh, last year, just the the narrative that we had on the show on a weekly basis of me constantly feeling defeated that La La Land was going to steamroll and I didn't stand a chance. But yet I had this aching feeling in my stomach that it wasn't over till it was over. And I remember like Michael was like, I love La La Land. And I was like, yeah, well, like I like I like La La Land, but I love Moonlight. And we just had like a war. And poor Will over here was caught in the middle. No, but honestly, <laughs> you get to be the one person who truly never gave up on that front. You should be proud of that. Oh, I'm very proud. Are you kidding me? When that when that happened, you know, we're not going to see, I don't think in our lifetime, anything like we saw last year. I really don't. Like last year was probably the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen on any award show ever with that photo finish between La La Land and Moonlight. Oh, oh, I I honestly think Ryan Murphy will end up making a, uh, you know, like some kind of mini series, like 30 years down the line about that award season. Just so incredible. So, so incredible. I look forward to that show next week though. I really do. And before we uh, say goodbye to everyone for this week, Will, why don't you recap us with some news that happened this week? So we're getting all of the foreign film submissions in the various countries. We're getting pretty much one every day. Uh, one of the interesting ones is Diane Kruger's film that screened at Cannes and that she won Best Actress for is going to be Germany's Oscar submission, which in theory will help any uh, awards traction for Diane Kruger this year. Um, has she ever been nominated for an Oscar? Nope. No, she. I mean, she got a SAG nomination for Bastards, which was such a surprise and still so cool. But, yeah, I mean, I don't think she's going to get in. I think the field is too stacked. But that helps, you know, kind of an L situation if that is going to be something that's a factor there and if that is a foreign film contender. Um, we have two motherfucking Joker films coming out. One of them, I, I don't know what don't to say. Don't even get me started on this. I don't know what to say about this. Todd Phillips of the Hangover movies and Martin Scorsese, of all people, are teaming up to do one of them. That's just a standalone Joker film that will not star Jared Leto's Joker. But the Whiskey Tango Foxtrot directors are doing a different Joker film that's like a romance film with him and Harley Quinn, which is kind of fucked because that's a totally abusive relationship. That will stay star Jared Leto's less than spectacular Joker. I just think that Martin Scorsese saw War Dogs and thought to himself, oh, here's somebody that's trying to rip off my style. I should probably nurture this young kid and help him and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? So they make a fucking Joker movie? It doesn't make sense. It just makes no sense. Oh, it, this is this is some of the worst news. I mean, DC just in general. I'd, and apparently Justice League is like a clusterfuck right now. With and you hear things. that uh, Ben Affleck is supposedly maybe leaving yeah. the Batman role? No, uh... Mm, yeah, maybe. Matt Reeves says that those rumors were, you know, like putting the cart before the horse. We'll see, but yeah, it's... But with everything else that we've been hearing surrounding that production, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> yes, yes. It, it sounds like dramatic rewrites are going on. I mean, like... Uh, um, moving away from the clusterfuck that is the DC Universe right now... Weinstein is making, speaking of clusterfucks, having some interesting, you know, they've, they've had a rough few years, really since, tw- since the imitation game, they've really struggled getting their films. I guess they came back with Lion last year, but in general, they have not been the, the factors they once were in the awards race. Um, 
In keeping with that, speaking of Lion, the directors follow up the Mary Magdalene film with like Rooney Mara and Joaquin Phoenix has moved away from the Oscar race this year to next Easter, which might be appropriate. A, yeah, I mean, I, obviously that is timely, and that's when The Passion of Christ made a lot of money about 15 years ago. Uh, I do think had they released this at, like, Christmas time, they also would have made a lot of money, you know, like, but it suggests it will not be an Oscar contender either way, because if Weinstein thought he had a chance to win Oscars, he would have released it in December, and this suggests it's more of a commercial play. Um, the, the current war will take a November spot now, it's moved its release date. I've heard mixed things about that, and the writer's background is less than stellar. I think he did The Giver, and then some episodes of Vinyl, which was a very forgettable HBO show. So, I, I like the cast. I'm not necessarily convinced that's going to be anything this year, which means... No, I don't think so. Weinstein might, again, not have any Best Picture nominee in the race, which will be very unfortunate for whoever is Harvey Weinstein's assistant right now. Um, mm. Paul Greengrass is going to go back to what he does best, docudramas, and he's doing... Yes! I'm very excited. This one is about a Norwegian terrorist who killed more than 70 people. Um, it sounds really depressing and sad, but he's very good at those kind of movies. So, you know, and this one he's doing for Netflix. Netflix continues to snatch up some of our best and brightest. Um... Jeff Bridges and Chris Hemsworth have joined Drew Goddard, you know, who wrote The Martian's new film called Bad Times at the El Royale. I think it's a Western of some sort uh, that sounds interesting. I'm hoping for something kind of, you know, with Jeff Bridges involved, maybe a little Hell or High Water-esque. Will Ferrell is going to be in the remake of that, uh, was it a Danish film? I don't uh, It was a foreign film, Norwegian the hundred-year-old man, man who climbed out the window and disappeared, the 2015's most unlikely best makeup nominee, is... He's going to be in a remake of that. It would be interesting if this becomes the first film ever to be a remake of a film that was nominated for best makeup and also get nominated for best makeup itself. Have I mentioned how bizarre that is? Yeah, yes, yes. Uh, needs not even be stated. Extremely bizarre. Um, so Ava DuVernay had to leave that sci-fi stranger, or that, um, what's it called? Intelligent Life, that she was gonna do until she got a wrinkle in time. It's, I think, a sci-fi comedy, but it's, it's written by Colin Trevorrow, which, you know, after recent track record could be a bit of a mixed bag. But You think? Yeah! <laughs> but they, uh, they've replaced her with Rebecca Thomas, who directed some Stranger Things episodes. So, um, who knows? That could be an interesting sci-fi film. I doubt, given the uh, writer involved, it'll be an Oscar player, but you never know. And I mentioned Jim Belushi earlier. That is fucking bizarre, but keep an eye on that. And finally, Morgan Freeman will be the recipient of this year's SAG Lifetime Achievement Award. So, it's well-earned. That earned. is awesome. It's well-earned. I'm, I'm a big Good fan of him. that turn of events. Yeah. That, that's great. That's pretty much it for the week. Um, although, as always, check out Jeff Snyder's Twitter feed. Apparently he was pissed about getting scooped on the bad times at El Royale, so he just started tweeting out a bunch of rumors, and I don't know if any of them will be true, but some of them might. I'm actually going to pull them up right now to make sure we didn't miss anything important. 
Jeff Snyder, if you don't know, has had trouble at some of the outlets, but continues to have some of the best scoop access of anyone in the industry. Okay, so Jeff Snyder said that uh, Dan Trachtenberg is reportedly developing a superhero tent, supernatural tentpole for Paramount called Anomaly. He's the guy who did uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane. Seth Rogen will be in his wife's film called Like Father. Um, NBA star Amare Stufendmeyer is going to be joining Jonah Hill and the Safdie Brothers' next film, Uncut Gems. And that Stronger is has been screened in some capacity and is not going to be a Best Picture nominee. Yeah, I mean, it's mostly a play for Gyllenhaal. Right, but... And apparently he's very good, but apparently the film itself, which we wondered about, may not be incredible. But yeah, that's pretty much it for news this week. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Sounds good, sounds good. Uh, there's a lot of very, very exciting stuff on the horizon. Next year, the one-year anniversary of MVP. Woo! Oscar season is finally amongst us. And, Will, it's been a pleasure today and thank you so much to our listeners out there that sent in your uh, questions for today's uh, episode we really really appreciate that I really really definitely enjoyed receiving them live as they came in uh, kept me on my toes so to speak Will where can we find you on the internet you can find me on Twitter at Mavericks Movies. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, episode 53. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Google Play, Stitcher, Player FM, and CastBox. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think of the show, and we will see you all next time. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.